0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 16 and reading for our text, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16 and verse 18. I feel very much that I desire to begin this year with a reminder of the Church's one foundation, a lifting up of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ as the foundation of the Church of God. Yes, this text does not speak of Peter being the foundation, though the Scriptures do say that the Church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone but our Lord is using occasion here of the name of Peter, Cephas, a stone that he had given to Peter and then referring to himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, as this rock. Uh, this word, it goes right back to the prophet uh, Isaiah that which was prophesied then in chapter twenty eight of Isaiah and we read in verse sixteen Therefore thus saith the Lord God Behold I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious corner stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And it is to that scripture that Peter himself, when he writes to the tribes, he quotes that scripture in the first of his epistles and chapter 2. He says, Wherefore also, in verse 6, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And he goes on to speak of those whom he is writing to, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Very clearly he sets forth a foundation and he sets forth the same God that not only provided the salvation in the foundation but in the calling, in the choosing and in the calling out of darkness into his marvellous light. That all is the work of God, and that is to be rehearsed in the Church of God. It is the foundation for the Church of God. So I want to look with the Lord's help this morning about four things that are set forth in, in this text. The first is the owner of the church. In our text we read this, Upon this rock I will build my church. The Lord is the owner of the church of God. It is his church. Secondly, the foundation of the church We read in our text, Upon this rock I will build my church. This rock, the rock Christ Jesus, is the foundation of the church of God. But thirdly, we have the builder of the church. In our text, Upon this rock I will build my church, not man. God will build it. The Lord will build it. I will build it. And fourthly, the security of the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If it was man's work in the foundation and the building, the gates of hell would prevail against it. But God's work will stand. And so let us look at these four points. Firstly, the owner of the church, my church. Now we need to make it very clear right at the start that when we're talking about the Church of God we're, we're not talking about a building we're talking about people we're talking about those that the Lord Jesus Christ is to take to be his bride in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians he speaks about the type of Christ and his church being as the bride and the bridegroom and the bride husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it the church is made up of those souls that the Lord hath chosen in Christ and that have undertaken to redeem. He owns them because, as we read in John 10, Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. The Father gave to the Son a people to redeem. It is a people that he has loved with an everlasting love. It is a people that were chosen in him, in Christ, from the foundation of the world. When we have the name of our Lord first brought forth, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And immediately in that verse we have his people, the Church of God, set forth. Now you might say, well, in the Word of God, you only read the word church in the New Testament. But the Apostle Paul speaks about the church that was in the wilderness. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, And that rock was Christ. They knew this rock. And we must remember, there is only one true church. There is local churches. We have that in the Revelation, where there is letters to the pastors or angels of the churches. And there are local churches. And each local church is a type of Christ and his church. They are answerable to him and him alone. But there is only one, one that have been chosen from eternity. They are the same people that we read then in Revelation that there is an innumerable multitude which no man can number in heaven. They are a people that have been drawn from all ages, from the, through the Old Testament right through to the end of the world. Those that have been called and saved have all been saved into the one church. They've all been redeemed in exactly the same way. They've been chosen at the same time. They have been redeemed at the same time at Calvary, which is another reason why the people are termed my church, because the Lord loved the church and gave himself for it. That is, at Calvary, he laid down his life for the church of God, for his bride, for that collective people spoken of, as one it belongs to him the apostle Paul says to the people of God ye are not your own ye are bought with a price wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are his the people of God belong unto God belong unto our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And it is a a precious truth of a people that belong to that living family, belong to those that from every age have been brought to be placed upon that one foundation, some looking forward to Christ, and I do love that, Hebrews chapter 11, where we have all those right from Abel that lived and died by faith, and we read, not having received the promises, but seen them afar off and embraced them. They saw the promises of Christ. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced at it. His hopes were built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord was his God, the same as David in Psalm 110. My Lord saith unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until thine enemies be made thy footstool. If Christ be David's son, how is he then also his Lord? Well, as our Lord said of Abraham, before Abraham was I am. But here we have then the owner of the church. And maybe as as we go forth into this year, be persuaded of this, that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are his. He owns us. We belong to him. He has placed us amongst his children. He has made that known. We are not our own. We are part of that one Church of God. It is a great privilege, a great blessing. And and may we really have an eye to it, whose we are and whom we serve. In our text then, we have these words, My Church. Well, I want to look then secondly at the foundation of the church. Upon this rock I will build my church. The Lord Jesus Christ is set forth as the foundation. Paul says that other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He determined to know nothing among men save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let him that buildeth take heed how he buildeth thereon. And he speaks about those that are building with wood and hay and stubble and those that are building with precious things. There is many that will say they are building on Christ as the foundation, but instead of it being Christ building the church and the building be of God's work, they are building man's works they are putting things that are weak things that will fail professedly building on that one foundation the whole of this text it goes together but in this point I want just to to look at the foundation. when we look at the Old Testament times when the foundation was laid of the temple which is a time, of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. It was greatly noted when it was made, the beginning of it, those great stones that were laid for the temple. You know, if they were to move, you think of any building that is made. Sometimes we have read of those that have poured concrete and made a foundation for a house The house has then been built on it and when the weight of the house is on it, then the concrete is cracked. It hasn't been the right standard. hasn't been the right thickness. It couldn't stand the weight of the building upon it. A foundation, a right foundation, is absolutely vital and it is so in the things of God. It is emphasized with that. Temple of Solomon how great that foundation was. In Ezekiel we can read of the foundation of the second temple being laid and the singing, the joy, the gladness. There was no building yet, but the foundation was there. And I believe it is so beautifully sets forth our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, the foundation of the Church of God and when we bring in Paul's words as Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a foundation. But may we have clear views of that foundation. The Lord Jesus Christ, the true foundation is the true, eternal God, Emmanuel, God with us. If he was not God, that would not be any foundation to build upon. No created angel, no mere man could ever be a foundation to bear the weight of the Church of God. And so it's so vital for us to believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the true eternal God. John in his epistle says this is the true God and eternal life. John, in writing his Gospel, he says, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's so much just in those three words, God with us. If you have seen me, you have seen my Father also. And then to believe in that foundation, that it is God and man in one person, the true humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel Standard this month, there is a rewritten the article, Article 5 of our Gospel Standard articles on the truths of the sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ is a vital foundation, a foundation that has been attacked by many. And it's for that reason it's rehearsed and it's set forth in the magazine this month. It's vital for us to believe that our Lord took true flesh and blood of those for whom he will redeem and a soul as well made not like unto the beasts that are just flesh nor like the angels which are just spirit but of the seed of Abraham he came to redeem soul and body that conversion the soul is raised again At the last day, the body shall be raised again. Both are redeemed, and that redemption was done at Calvary, at the same place for all of the people of God. The foundation then is in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, who He is, and John in his second epistle makes it very clear that we must not be in error in the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is very, very important. So important, he says, that to be in error, and who has not that doctrine, we receive him not into our houses, nor bid him God speed. For whoso biddeth him Godspeed speed is partaker of his evil works. Many errors there are concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. It's vital for us to know that he is true, eternal God, manifest in the flesh, God and man, the provision by God to build our hopes for heaven upon. So our Lord then, he comes to this world And he must be tested. The preservation, we read in our text here, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, that is, against the church. But you see how the gates of hell were sought against the foundation first. That is, when our Lord was born, Herod sought to slay him, we have then, when he is baptised, Satan sought to tempt him. Whereas the first Adam, our first parents, fell with one temptation, with a garden full of plenty and not fasting. Our Lord resisted Satan after he'd fasted 40 days in the wilderness. And not one temptation, but 40 days of temptation. And We only read the end part of it. Our captain stood that fiery test. No mere man would ever stand that. Adam didn't in his innocency. A man fallen could never do. Then, in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all, the iniquity of all of his people, the sins of all of his people laid upon him. And we have this picture of him sweating the great drops of blood, of the agony. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It's very evident what was being laid upon him. Uh, In Isaiah we speak of the nail in the sure place and hanging upon it all the cups of small and great size and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all as set forth in Isaiah 53 but our Lord had to bear that first he had to carry it he had to carry it to the judgment hall and carry it to the cross And then put away those sins. But mere human nature could never sustain that weight. The weight of one sin, the weight of our own sins is too much if the Lord would really show it to us. But the sins of all of the church of God, all of the people of God, that he had laid on him the iniquity not just of some of us, but the iniquity of us all, every single one, laid upon his people. Another thing is very important foundation. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knew who his were from eternity. He knew them when he laid down his life. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also must bring. He hath power to lay his life down, power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. Particular redemption is taught in, he- in Numbers chapter 3 when the Levites were used to redeem the firstborn of Israel. It was one for one, and where there was not enough, then there was paying out of the sanctuary the money for each soul. It is not an ambiguous, unidentified amount that is paid. It is a purchase price and the Lord knew for whom he laid down his life. Nothing wasted, everything atoned for, the debt fully paid, fully met and the actual act of doing it in a particular love to the people for whom he took their sin and suffered, bled and died for it not just a a general love as to who may believe of their own, but a real particular love for those that were his, given him that he was a surety for, and those he laid down his life for. This is the foundation of God, that having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. It is the foundation that cannot be changed because it is in God. Anything in that foundation that rests in in man, sinful man, changing man, it cannot be a sure foundation. It is not. It is in Christ and Christ alone. So when we have the foundation of the church, It is in the true person of the God-man Christ Jesus and his offering at Calvary, his sufferings, his death, his rising again and his intercession in heaven for his people. He hath ascended into heaven to make intercession for us. He is the one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus is the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. This is the foundation of the church. Upon this rock I will build my church. And so any, any error, any way we look upon this rock in anything less than set forth in Scripture is to undermine that foundation of the church of god want to then look thirdly at the builder of the church what would it be if we said well god built the foundation but then left man to just build it now may we be very clear God uses men. He uses his servants. He uses the preaching of the gospel. This is why, although the Lord knows those that are his and he only died for them, redeemed them, yet we are to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because God has commanded it, because he has directed us so to do. We do not know. The foundation of God doesn't stand sure in that the ministers of the gospel know those that are the Lord's. It stands sure in that the Lord knoweth them that are his. And we are to give a portion to seven and to eight, For we know not what shall prosper, this or that or both alike. Uh, We are to speak the word instant, in season and out of season. And we are to preach the word, authoritatively declare the word of the gospel, the word of God. But the builder of the church is the Lord. He is the one that is building it. He is using the instruments. You think of the type, the Solomon's Temple, and sometimes I've read of those numbers that were used, and of course today using machines, then you don't need the great numbers of people. There were thousands, hundreds of thousands involved in the work, and how different their work. Some were in the woods, long way away from the building of the temple. Some were down in the clay pits making the molds for the brass and for the uh, things that were made of molten brass. Some were in the quarries shaping, shaping the stones and making them so that they would fit into the temple. They never saw the temple. They were always in the quarry, as it were. Others, they didn't see the quarry, but they were taking the stones and that they were taking them from the quarry uh, to those that were building and then those that were building were putting them in, slotting them into place. And was one that was in the quarry say, so, well, I'm not a builder because I'm not putting the stones into the building. Or, or, or the one cutting the timber down, that I'm not a part of doing this building because I'm doing that. Sometimes we can think that in the ministry. We think that the only way to be a part of a minister of the gospel, and remember in, in Revelation We have the Lord in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The golden candlesticks, he says, are the church of God. And in his hand are these seven stars. They are the angels of the churches, they are the ministers, they are in his hands. They're to do his bidding, they are his servants, and we have a picture with the Apostle Paul trying to go into Asia. No, you're forbidden to go into there, trying to go to Bethynia, the Spirit suffered them not, then come over into Macedonia and help us. The Lord directing where he goes, what his work should be. And the Lord is the director. And the Lord sends his people, like Philip, go into the desert. Why? Why shall I go into the desert? Because there's the chariot and the Ethiopian eunuch in that chariot. That's why. And so it's the Lord in his providence. He sends forth his servants. He equips them. Not all of them. Paul says... The Lord sent me not to baptise, but to preach the gospel. Sometimes we can get the idea that the only way a minister is successful is if he can chalk up a lot of baptizings. But some ministers don't baptise at all. Their work is not that. It is laying, uh, spreading the seed. Or it may be ministering to the Lord's people as they journey on their way or come down to their journey's end. Everyone has a different work. But the one that is doing the building of his church is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the builder that tells the workers what he wants done, where they are to work, what they are to do. When we think of a building being made, uh, the builder is the one that is in control the builder is not the, the workers, those that are doing his bidding. No, it's the builder that's looking at the plans and saying, I need this here, that there, these workers, this material in this place and at this time. It, it is the builder that is doing all of those things. You now, when we recently, well, not so recently, had some work done on the chapel here, had to replace the lead because it kept being stolen uh, on the porch roof. And uh, we looked and we asked for quotes for uh, one company, and all they would do was to just to quote to put the replacement material on the roof. I said, but there needs to be woodwork, there needs to be tiling work, there needs to be scaffolding. I don't want to be the builder. I don't want to coordinate all of these other trades. And thankfully we were able to get a builder. We paid him the one amount and he tied up all of the different trades. He put them all together. He was responsible. And that's what a builder is. One that is responsible bringing all of those that are used in that building together and the Lord is that builder. But He uses, He uses His servants, He uses those that already have been called and chosen, and He sends them forth as ministers, pastors, those that are used to preach the gospel. The builder of the church, we said of the church, it is in all ages. And we must always remember that, right from Abel, right to the end of the world. But especially in these Gospel days, when we preach the Gospel, we've got the rich treasure of the Old Testament, all the promises, and the record of our Lord's sufferings and death, and all the letters to the churches. There is a rich provision for us, And we go forth with this word, and this is what the Lord has promised to bless, to quicken souls into life, to bring them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust in him, to turn from sin, to turn from the ways of this world, from idols, from everything apart from Christ, to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. It behoves us when we think of the builder of the church and the church is being built. Are we being built up in our most holy faith? Have we been called? Have we been quickened? Have we heard the voice of the Lord? Has the Lord placed us in the church of God, the visible church of God? No, it's a great danger, especially in these, these days after COVID, that though we would prize the, the means of transmitting the, the services, yet the Church of God is not to be just an unseen satellite, people all scattered. It is forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, so much the more till you see the day approaching. As the Lord gives health and strength, we should always endeavour to gather together in the house of God for the encouragement of each other, because it is the Lord's will that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. We greatly value the provision for those housebound and cannot get to the house of God, but may we never misuse it or abuse it or think that we are going to the plan of the Lord when we willingly absent ourselves from the house of God. The church of God is to be a gathered and one day they shall be gathered from Every nation are gathered to be in heaven. That gathering we surely desire to be amongst. With them may I be now and to eternity. Being let go, the apostles went unto their own company. And as a blessed thing, when we have Ruth's desire, thy people shall be my people, thy God my God, and she clave, to Naomi, desire to be with them and to be one of them. And so it's a great blessing, a local church, a local gathering where Christ is the head, where the order and structure is of pastors, of deacons, of elders, where there is the order, where there is the preaching of the word, where it is like in Ezra's day, where he stood upon a pulpit of wood and the word of God was opened in the sight of all people and they all stood and then the word was explained and simply explained, given the sense and they caused the people to understand the reading of the word. And we have a little sense of the preaching of the gospel. I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me and that desire to be with the Lord and be with his people. What a solemn thing, to be separated from the Lord at last. There's only two places, heaven and hell, one where the Lord is and one where he's not, one where his bride is, the church is, and one where his church is not, and there are none of his people there. May we be with his people now and with them for eternity. For the Lord is then building his church, one soul after another, through the ministry, through the powerful work of his Spirit, quickening them into eternal life, bringing them to feel themselves as sinners and bringing them to look alone to Christ and to trust in his sacrificial death and his sufferings. It is the Lord that is adding to the church daily. We read of that in Acts. The Lord added to his church daily such as should be saved. And that is still the same. It will still be the same. As the apostles preached, some believe the word, some believe not. As many as were ordained unto eternal life believed, the Lord adding then to his church. This is what we pray for and desire and to everyone that hears the word of God. May we not just sit impassioned or disconnected from that word because we are either part of the building of Christ or we are not. Either we are left in the quarry and discarded or part of the scaffolding, what a solemn thought that is. Taken down at last, never part of the church, yet so close to it. Or we are the true church of God. And may it be that it is of no doubt with us, whose we are and whom we serve, that the Lord has wrought in us. And may we be asking of the Lord for eternal life asking for his work, asking for his teaching, telling him that we prize that teaching, prize the visits of his face, love his house, love his people, love his word, and may all our lives give that same witness to the Lord who sees all things and to those that look upon us, that we give that true message that we are the church of God. Well, I want to look lastly at the security of the church. We read in our text, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now he said before, if this is man's work, if man's work is any part of it, then the gates of hell will prevail. God's work will stand. Man's work will not. But here is a wonderful promise. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And here is the promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Our Lord says in John 10 that his people are in his hand. My sheep, they are in my hand. None are able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father is greater than I, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. A people that are chosen in Christ, a people for whom he died, a people that he has called and quickened, the Lord will fulfil what he has prayed in John 17. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And his will will be done, not because of man's will, not because of man's efforts, but because of the will of the Lord and his servants doing his will and labouring in his vineyard and being diligent in the word. The Lord will bless that, but is the Lord's word. And it is he that is building his church and that makes the security of it. There were those in the New Testament church that presumed to cast out devils, but they didn't have the authority and power of the Lord with them at all. And the devils had the mastery of them. They, people in whom they were fell upon them, injured them, wounded them. They said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, Peter we know, but who are you? The authority must be from the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that authority, the Lord alone, and we think of in uh, Jude uh, speaking of the uh, angels and the Satan disputing where the body of the of Moses was, the angel he said, The Lord rebuke thee. And the promise is for the people of God, He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear in. Deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. It is the Lord alone that can rebuke the devil, that can save his people. We have a picture in the book of Job where Satan desires to have the people of God and God says, no, you can be used to try him, to tempt him, but you don't touch his life. The latter end of Job was better than the beginning. And all in through Job's trials and temptations, his friends at first came to comfort him, he said, miserable comforters are ye all. They couldn't understand his trials. One thing that he desired, oh, that I knew where I might find him. That one desire for Christ, for his God, and may that be with us as we enter on this year that we want Christ. We want to truly know and feel the foundation. We want the visits of his face. We want the blessings of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow within. We want his teaching, his instruction, his love shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost and we want him to be precious to us as Peter said unto you which believe he is precious. We want those visits and those blessings despised by some but valued by those that know them above all gold and everything precious in this world. They love the Lord and they prize him, value him, and look to him for their soul's salvation. And he has testified here that where that work is of the Lord, he will have regard to it, and the gates of hell even shall not prevail against it. How secure, how precious, how lasting, how endurable is the blessings of the lord well may we know then whose we are upon what foundation we have been built upon and what we build our hopes for heaven upon may the lord bless this word to us amen